Chapter 9 of Work A Story of Experience. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Daisy 55. Work A Story of Experience by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter 9 Miss Wilkins Minister. Next day, Christie braved the lion in his den, otherwise the flinty flint, in her second-class boarding-house, and found that alarm and remorse had produced a softening effect upon her. She was unfriendly glad to see her lost lodger safe, and finding that the new friends were likely to put her in the way of paying her debts, this much harassed matron permitted her to pack up her possessions, leaving one trunk as a sort of hostage. Then, with promises to redeem it as soon as possible, Chrissy said good-bye to the little room where she had hoped and suffered, lived and labored so long, and went joyfully back to the humble home she had found with the good laundress. All the following week, Chrissy colored round, as Miss Wilkins called the miscellaneous light work she let her do, much washing, combing, and cleaning pinafore of children fell to her share, and she enjoyed it amazingly. Then, when the elder ones were packed off to school, she lent a hand to any of the numberless tasks housewives from to do from morning to night. In the morning, when the other work was done, and little Vic asleep or happy with her playthings, Chrissy clapped the laces, sprinkled muslins, and picked out edgings at the great table where Miss Wilkins stood ironing, fluting and crimping till the kitchen bustled all over the immaculate frills and flounces. It was pretty delicate work, and Chrissy liked it, for Miss Wilkins was an apt at her trade and took as much pride and pleasure in it as any French bagie le sous tripping through the streets of Paris, with a tree full of coquettes, caps, capes, and petticoats borne before her by a half-invisible boy. Being women, of course, they talked as industriously as they worked. Fingers flew and tongues clacked with equal profit and pleasure. And by Saturday, Chrissy had made up her mind that Miss Wilkins was the most sensible woman she had ever knew. Her grammar was an outrage upon the memory of Lindley Murray, but the goodness of her heart would have done honor to any saint in the calendar. She was very plain, and her manners were by no means elegant, but good temper made that homely face most lovable, and natural refinement of soul made mere eternal polish of small account. Her shrewd ideals and odd sayings amused Chrissy very much, while her good sense and bright way of looking at things did the younger woman a world of good. Mr. Wilkins devoted himself to the making of shoes and the consumption of food with the silent regularity of a placid animal. His one dissipation was tobacco, and in a fragrant cloud of smoke he lived and moved and had his being so entirely that he might have been described as a pipe with a man somewhere behind it. Chrissy once laughingly spoke of this habit and declared she would try it herself as she thought it would make her as quiet and as undismodestive as Mr. Wilkins, who, to tell the truth, made no more impression on her than a fly. I don't approve on it, but he might do worse. 
We all have to have our comfort somehow. So I let Lucia smoke as much as he likes, and he lets me gab. So it's about fair, I reckon, answered Mrs. Wilkins from the suds. She laughed as she spoke, but something in her face made Christie suspect that at some period of his life Lucia had done worse and subsequent observation confirmed his suspicion and another one also that his good wife had saved him and was gently easing him back to self-control and self-respect but as old fuller quaintly says she so gently folded up his faults and silence that few guessed them and loyalty paid him that respect which he desired others to bestow it was always lisha and me i'll ask my husband or lisha i'll know he don't say but he's a dreadful smart man and she kept up the friction so dear to her wifely soul by endowing him with her own virtues and giving him the credit of her own intelligence chrissy loved her all the better for this devotion and for her sake treated mr wilkins as he possessed the strength of samson and the wisdom of solomon he received her respect as if it was his due and now and then graciously accorded her a few words beyond the usual scantly allowance of morning and evening greetings at his shop all day she saw only saw him at meals and sometimes of an evening for miss wilkins tried to keep him at home safe from temptation and chrissy helped her by reading talking and frolicking with the children so that he might find home attractive he loved his babies and would even relish his precious pipe for a time to ride the little chaps on his foot or amuse Vic with a shadow rabbits on the wall. At such times the entire content in Miss Wilkins' face made tobacco fumes endurable, and the burden of a dull man's presence less oppressive to Chrissy, who loved to pay her debts in something besides money. As they sat together finishing off some delicate laces that Saturday afternoon, Miss Wilkins said, "'It's fair tomorrow. I want you to go to my meeting and hear my minister. It'll do you good.' "'Who is he?' "'Mr. Powell.' Chrissy looked rather startled, for she had heard of Thomas Powell as a rampant, radical, and infidel of the deepest dye, and been warned never to visit that den of an equity called his free church. "'Why, Miss Wilkins?' "'You don't mean it,' she said, leaving her lace to dry at the most critical stage. "'Yeah, do,' answered Miss Wilkins, settling down her flat iron with emphasis and evidently preparing to fight valiantly for her minister, as most women will. "'I beg your pardon. I was a little surprised, for I heard all sorts of things about him,' Chrissy hastened to say. "'Did you ever hear him, or read none of his writings?' demanded miss wilkins with a calmer air never then don't judge you don't go here and see that blessed man and if you don't say he's the shade of a great rock in a desert land i'll give up cried the good woman waxing poetically in her warmth it will i will to please you if nothing else i did go once just because i was told not to but it did not preach that day and everything was so peculiar I didn't know whether to like it or to be shocked. It is kind of saying at first, I'm free to confess, and not as church as some folks like, but there ain't no place but that big enough to hold the crowds that want to go. 
for the more he's abused, the more folks flocks to see him. They get the money's worth, do I believe, for though ain't no more popes and pews, there's a sight of brotherly love round them seats, and pious practice, as well as powerful preaching, in that shabby desk. He don't need no commandments painted up behind him to read on Sunday, for he keeps them in his heart and life all the week as honest as man can. There Miss Wilkins paused, flushed and breathless with her defiance, and Chrissy said candidly, I did like the freedom and good will there, for people sat where they liked, and no one frowned over shut pew doors at me a stranger. An old black woman sat next to me and said, Amen, when she liked what she heard, and a very shabby young man was on the other, listening as if his soul was as hungry as his body. People read books, laughed and cried, clapped when pleased, and hissed when angry that I did not like it. No more does Mr. Power. He don't mind the crying and the smiling as it's natural. But noise and disrespect of no kind ain't pleasing to him. His own folks behave becoming, but strangers go and act as they like, thinking that there ain't no bounds to the word free. Then we are picked at for the doings, and Mr. Power has to carry other folks' sins on his shoulder. But this is, it ain't much matter after all, else the soul is well-meaning. Children always make a noise at striving after what they most want, and I shouldn't wonder if the Lord forgive all our shortcomings of that sort, since we are hankering reaching for the truth. I wish I had heard Mr. Powell that day, for I was striving after peace with all my heart, and he might have given it to me, said Christie, interested and impressed with what she heard. Why, no, dear, I guess not. Peace ain't give to no one all of a sudden. It gently comes through much tribulation, and a sort that comes hardest is best with having Mr. Powell would have plowed and hired you, so to speak, and so good seed liberal, than if for you one barren grounding things would have drove, and the Lord give you a harvest according to your labor. Who did you hear? asked Miss Wilkins pausing to starch and clap vigorously. A very young man who seemed to be airing his ideals and beliefs in the frankest manner. He belabored everybody and everything, upset church and state, called names, arranged heaven and earth to suit himself, and evidently meant every word he said. Much of it would have been ridiculous if the boy had not been so thoroughly in earnest sincerely always commands respect and though people smile they liked his courage and seemed to think he would make a man when his spiritual wild oats were sown i ain't a doubt on it we often have such and they ain't all empty talk neither some of them are surprisingly bright and all mean so well i don't never reluct to him they must blow off the steam somewheres, else they'll bust with the big ideas of swelling in them. Mr. Power knows and gives them the chance they can't find nowheres else. Pears to me, added Miss Wilkins, ironing rapidly as she spoke, 
that folks is very light clothes and a sight has to be done to keep em clean and whole all on us has to lend a hand in this dreadful mix-up wash and each do our part same as you and me is now there's a scrubbing and billing retching and bluing dying and folding on and polishing before any of us is fit for wear a sunday morning what part does mr power do asked christie much amused at this particularly appropriate semi the scrubbing and the billing that's always the hardest and the hardest part he starts the dirt and gets the stain out and leaves em ready for other folks to finish off it ain't such a pleasant work as hanging out or such pretty work as doing up but someone's got to do it and them that's strongest does his best though they don't get half so much credit as them as polishes and crimps that's showy work but it wouldn't be no use if the things weren't well washed first and miss wilkins thoroughly surveyed a snowy muslin cap with its border fluted like the petals of a prim white daisy that hung in her hand i like to be a washerwoman of that sort but as i'm not one of the strong i'll be a laundress and try to make purity as attractive as you do said christie soberly oh my dear it's warm and wearing work i do assure you and hard to give satisfaction try as you may crowns of glory ain't war in this world but it's my opinion that them that does the hard jobs here will stand a good chance of having extra bright ones when they get through i know you will said christie warmly land alive child i wasn't thinking of cynthia wilkins but mr power i'll be satisfied if i can set low down somewheres and see him get the medal he won't in this world but i know there's rewards saving up for him by me by i'll go tomorrow if it pours said christie with decision do and i'll lend you my bonnet cried miss wilkins passing with comical rapidly from crowns of glory to her own cherished hand gear thank you but i can't wear blue i look as yellow as a dandelion in it miss flint let me have my best things though i offered to leave them so i shall be respectful and by and by blossom out on the morrow chrissy went early got a good seat and for half an hour watched the gathering of the motley congregation that filled the great hall some came in timidly as if doubtful of their welcome some noisily as if as miss wilkins said they had not learned the wide difference between liberty and license many as if eager and curious and a large number with a look of children gathering around a family table ready to be fed and sure that wholesome food would be bountifully provided for them chrissy was struck by the large proportion of young people in the place of all classes both sexes and strongly contrasting faces delicate girls looking with a sweet wistfulness of maidenly hearts for something strong to lean upon and love sad-eyed woman turning to heaven for the consolation or the satisfaction earth could not give them anxious mothers perplexed with many cares trying to find light and strength young men with ardent faces restless aspiring impetuous longing to do and dare tired-looking students with perplexed wrinkles on their forehead 
evidently come to see if this man had discovered the great secrets they were delving after, and so sick people trying this new and perhaps dangerous medicine when others failed to cure. Many earnest, thoughtful men and women were there, some on the ancient seat and some already at peace, having found the clue that leads safely through the laboring of life. Here and there a white head, a placid old face, or one of those fine countenances that tell unconsciously the beautiful story of a victorious soul. Some read, some talked, some had flowers in their hands, and all sat at ease, rich and poor, black and white, young and old, waiting for the coming of the man who had power to attract and hold so many of his kind. Chrissy was so intent on watching those about her that she did not see him enter, and only knew about the silence which began just in front of her, and seemed to flow backward like a wave, leaving a sea of expectant faces to turn one point. That point was a gray head, just visible above the little desk which stood in the middle of a great platform. A vase of lovely flowers was on the little shelf at one side, a great Bible reposed on the other, and a manuscript lay on the red slope between. In a moment, Chrissy forgot everything else and waited with a curious anxiety to see what manner of man this was. Presently he got up with an open book in his hand, saying in a strong, cheerful voice, Let us sing. And having read a hymn as if he had composed it, he sat down again. Then everybody did sing, not harmoniously, but heartily, led by an organ, which the voices followed at their own sweet will. At first Chrissy wanted to smile, for some shouted and some hummed, some sat silent and others sung sweetly. But before the hymn ended she liked it, and thought that the natural praise of each individual soul was perhaps more grateful to the ear of God than masses by great masters or psalms wobbled tunefully by hired opera singers. Then Mr. Power rose again and laying his hands together with a particularly soft and reverent gesture lifted up his face and prayed. Chrissy had never heard a prayer like that before, so devout, so comprehensive, and so brief. A quiet talk with God, asking nothing but more love and duty toward Him and our fellow men, thanking Him for many mercies, and confiding in all things trustfully to the dear Father and Mother of souls. The sermon which followed was as peculiar as the prayer and as effective. One of Power's Judgment Day sermons, as she heard one man say to another when it was over, Chrissy certainly felt at first as if kingdoms and thrones were going down and each man being sent to his own place. A powerful and popular wrong was arrested, tried, and sentenced then and there, with a courage and fidelity that made plain words eloquent and stern justice beautiful. He did not take David of old for his text, but the strong, sinful, splendid Davids of our day who had not fulfilled the promise of their youth 
and whose seemingly success was a delusion and a snare to themselves and others, sure to be followed by a sorrowful abandonment, defeat, and shame. The ashes of the ancient hypocrisies and the Pharisees was left in peace, but those now living were heartily denounced. Modern money-changers scrouged out of the temple, and the everlasting truth set upon therein. As he spoke, not loudly nor vehemently, but with the indescribable effect of inward force and true inspiration, a curious stir went through the crowds at times, as a great wind sweeps over a cornfield, lifting the broad leaves to the light and testing the strength of root and stem. People looked at one another with a roused expression, eyes kindled, heads nodded involuntarily approval, and an emphatic, That's so! dropped from the lips of men who saw their own vague instincts and silent opinions strongly confirmed and nobly uttered. Consciences seemed to have been prickled to duty, eyes clear to see that their golden idols had feet of clay, and waving wheels strengthened by the salutary courage and integrity of one indomitable man. Another hymn and a benediction that seemed like a fit grace after meat, and then the crowd poured out, not yawning, thinking of best clothes, or longing for dinner, but waking up, full of talk, and eager to do something to redeem the country and the world. Chrissy went rapidly home because she could not help it, and burst it upon Miss Wilkins with a face full of enthusiasm, exclaiming, while she cast off her bonnet as if her head had outgrown it since she left, It was splendid! I never heard such a sermon before, and I'll never go to church anywhere else. I knew it. Ain't it feeling? Don't it give you a kind of spearing and hist, and make things worth more somehow? cried Miss Wilkins, gesturing with the pepper pot in a way which did not improve the steak she was cooking and caused great anguish to the noses of her offspring, who were watching the operation. Quite deaf to the chorus of sneezes which accompanied her words, Chrissy answered, brushing back her hair as if to get a better outlook at creation generally. Oh, yes, indeed. At first, it was rather terrible, and yet so true I wouldn't change a word of it. But I don't wonder he is misunderstood, belied, and abused. He tells the truth so plainly, and lets in the light so clearly, that hypocrisies and sinners must fear him and hate him. And I think he was a little hard and unsparing sometimes, though I don't know enough to judge the men and measures he's condemned. I admired him very much. But I should be afraid of him if I ever saw him near. No, you wouldn't. Not a grain. You hear him preach again, and you'll find him as gentle as a lamb. Strong folks is apt to be rather harsh at times. They can't help it if no more than this stove can help scorching the vittles when it gets red hot. Dinner's ready, so set right up and tell me all about it, said Miss Wilkins, slapping the steak on the platter and beginning to deal our fried potatoes all round with absent-minded lavishness. Chrissy talked, and the good soul enjoyed far more than her dinner, for she meant to ask Mr. Power to help her find the right sort of home for the stranger who, unfitness for her pleasant place, 
was every day made more apparent to the mind of her hostess. "'What took you there first? asked Chrissy, still wondering at Mrs. Wilkins' choice of a minister. "'The Lord, my dear,' answered the good woman in a tone of calm conviction. "'I heard of him, and I always have a leaning towards them that revile, so no Sabbath I felt to go, and I did. "'That's the gospel for me,' says I. "'My old church ain't big enough now, and I ain't going to set and nod there any longer, and I didn't. "'Hadn't you any doubts about it? "'Any fears of going wrong or being sorry afterwards?' asked Chrissy, who believed, as many do, that religion could not be attained without much tribulation of some kind. And some things folks is led. I be frequent, and when them's leading come, I don't ask no question but just follow, and it always turns out right. I wish I could be led. You'll be, my dear, every day of your life, only you don't see it. When you are doubtful, Set still till the call comes, then get up and walk whichever way it says, and you won't fall. You had bread and water long enough. Now you want meat and wine a spell, take it, and when it's time for milk and honey, someone will fetch them for you, keep your table ready. The Lord feeds us right, and it's we that quarrel with our victuals. I will, said Chrissy, and begin at once to prepare her little board for the solid food of which she had had a taste that day. That afternoon, Miss Wilkins took her turn at church going, saw Mr. Power, told Chrissy's story in her best style, and ended by saying, She's too grit, I do assure you, sir, willing to work, but she's singing the hard side of things and got kind of discouraged. Soul and body both once tickering up, and I don't know anybody who can do the job better than you. Very well. I'll come and see her, answered Mr. Power, and Miss Wilkins went home well satisfied. He kept his word, and about the middle of the week came walking in upon them as they were at work. Don't let the irons cool, he said, and sitting down in the kitchen began to talk as comfortably as if in the best parlor. More so, perhaps, for best parlors are apt to have a depressing effect upon the spirits, while the mere sight of labor exhilarating to an energetic minds. He greeted Christie kindly, and then addressed himself to Miss Wilkins on various charitable matters, for which he was a minister at large, and she one of his almanors. Christie could really see him now, for when he preached she forgotten the man in the sermon, and thought of him only as a visible conscience. A sturdy man of fifty, with a keen, brave face, penetrating eyes, and mouth a little grim, but a voice so resonant and sweet it reminded one of silver trumps, and stirred and won the hearer with irresistible power rough gray hair, and all the features rather rugged, as if the great sculptor had blocked out a grand statue, and left the man's own soul to finish it. Had Chrissy known that he came to see her, she would have been ill at ease. But Miss Wilkins had kept her own counsel, so when Mr. Power turned to Chrissy, saying, My friend here tells me you want something to do. Would you like to help a Quaker lady with her housework just out of town? 
she answered readily uh, yes sir anything that is honest not as a servant exactly but companion and helper miss sterling is a dear old lady and the place is a pleasant little nest it is good to be there and i think you'll say so if you go it sounds pleasant when shall i go mr powell smiled at her atrocity but the longing look in her eyes explained it for he saw at a glance that her place was not here i'll write at once and let you know how matters are settled then you shall try it and if it is not what you want you will find we'll find you something else there's plenty to do and nothing pleasanter than to put the right pair of hands to the right task good-bye come and see me if the spirit moves and don't let go of miss wilkins till you lay hold of a better friend if you can find one then he shook hands cordially and went walking out again into the wild march weather as if he liked it were you afraid of him asked miss wilkins i forgot all about it he looked so kind and friendly but i shouldn't like to have those piercing eyes on his fixed on me long if i had any secret on my conscience answered christy you ain't nothing to fear he liked your way of speaking first rate i see that and you'll be all right now he's took hold do you know miss sterling only by sight but she's a sweet appearing woman and i wouldn't ask nothing better to see more of her said miss wilkins warmly fearing christie's heart might misgive her but it did not and when a note came saying miss sterling would be ready for her the next week she seemed quite content with everything for though the wages were not high she felt that country air and quiet were worth more to her than than just money and that wilkinson's were better taken homophatically the spirit did move her to go and see mr power but she could not make up her mind to pass that invisible barrier which stands between so many who could give one another genuine help if they only dared to ask it but when sunday came she went to church eager for more and thankful that she knew where to go for it this was a very different sermon from the other and chrissy felt as if he had preached it alone for her keep innocency and take heed to the thing that is right for this will bring a man peace at all the last might have been the text and mr powell treated it as if he had known all the trials and temptations that made it hard to live up to justice and righteous wrath possessed him before now mercy and tenderness sympathy for those who falter in well-doing and the stern judge seemed changed to a pitiful father but better than the pity was the wise counsel the cheering crowds and the devout surrender of the soul to its best instincts its close communion with its maker unchilled by fear untrammeled by the narrowest of sect or superstition but full and free and natural as the breath of life as she listened chrissy felt as if she was climbing up from a solitary valley through mist and shadow toward a mountain top where 
though the way might be rough and strong winds blow she would get a wider outlook over the broad earth and be near the serene blue sky for the first time in her life religion seemed a visible and vital thing a power that she could grasp and feel take into her life and make her daily bread not a vague vast idea floating behold for her now beautiful now terrible always undefined and far away she was strangely and powerfully moved that day for the ploughing had begun and when the rest stood up for the last hymn Chrissy could only bow her head and let the uncontrollable tears flow down like summer rain while her heart sang with new inspiration nearer my god to thee even though a cross it to be that raised me still all my song shall be nearer my god to thee nearer to thee sitting with her hand before her eyes she never stirred till the sound of many feet told her that service was done then she wiped her eyes dropped a veil and was about to rise when she saw a little bunch of flowers between the leaves of the hymn book lying open in her lap only a knot of violets set in their own broad leaves but blue as friendly eyes looking into hers and sweet as kind words whispered in her ear she looked about her hoping to detect and thank the giver but all faces were turned the other way and all feet departing rapidly Chrissy followed with a very grateful thought in her heart for this little kindness from some unknown friend and anxious to recover herself entirely before she faced miss wilkins she took a turn in the park the snow was gone high winds had dried the walk and a clear sky overhead made one forget sudden turf and chilly air march was going out like a lamb and Chrissy enjoyed an occasional vernal whiff from far-off fields and wakening woods as she walked down the broad mall watching the buds on the broth and listening to the twitter of the sparrows evidently discussing the passer-by as they sat at the doors of their little mansions presently she turned to walk back and saw mr power coming toward her she was glad for all her fear had vanished now and she wanted to thank him for the sermon that had moved her so deeply he shook hands in his cordial way and turning walked with her beginning at once to talk of her affairs as if interested in them are you ready for the new experience he asked quite ready sir very glad to glow and very much obliged to you for your kindness in providing for me that is what we were put into the world for to help one another you can pass on the kindness by serving my good friends who in return will do their best for you that's so pleasant i always knew there were plenty of good friendly people in the world only i did not seem to find them often or be able to keep them long when i did is mr sterling an, an agreeable old man very agreeable but not old david is about thirty-one or two i think he is the son of my friend the husband died some years ago 
I thought I mentioned it. You said in your note that Mr. Sterling was a florist, and might like me to help in the greenhouse, if I was willing. It must be lovely work, and I should like it very much. Yes, David devotes himself to his flowers, and leads a very quiet life. You may think him rather grave and blunt at first, but you'll soon find out and get on comfortably, for he is a truly excellent fellow, and my right-hand man in good works. A curious little change had passed over Christie's face during these last questions and answers. Unconscious, but quite observable, to keen eyes like Mr. Powers. Surprise and interest appeared at first, then a shadow of reserve as if, as if the young woman dropped a thin veil between herself and the young man, and at last words of half-smile and a slight raising of the brows seemed to express the queer mixture of pity and indifference with which we are all apt to regard excellent fellows and admirable girls. Mr. Powell understood the look and went on more confidently than he had at first intended, for he did not want Christie to go off with a prejudice in her mind which might do both David and herself injustice. People sometimes misjudge him, for he is rather old-fashioned in manner and plain in speech, and may seem unsociable because he does not seek society. But those who know the cause of this forgive any little shortcomings for the sake of the genuine goodness of the man. David had a great trouble some years ago, and suffered much. He is learning to bear it bravely and is the better for it, though the memory of it is still bitter, and the cross hard to bear even with pride to help him hide it, and principle to keep him from despair. Mr. Power glanced at Christie as he paused, and was satisfied with the effect of his words, for interest, pity, and respect shone in her face, and proved that he had touched the right string. She seemed to feel that this little confidence was given for a purpose, and showed that she accepted it as a sort of gauge for her own fidelity to her new employers. Thank you, sir. I shall remember, she said, with her frank eyes lifted gravely to his own. I like to work for people whom I can respect, she added, and it will bear with any peculiarities of Mr. Sterling's without a thought of complaint. When a man has suffered through one woman, all women should be kind and patient with him, and try to atone for the wrong which lessens his respect and faith in them. There you are right, and in this case all women should be kind, for they pieties and protects womankind as the only retaliation for the lifelong grief one woman brought upon him. That's not a common revenge, is it? It's beautiful, cried Christie, and instantly David was a hero. At one time it was an even chance whether that trouble sent David to the devil, as he expressed it, or made a man of him. That little saint of a mother kept him safe till the first desperation was over, and now he lives for her as he ought 
not so romantic and ending as a pistol or barbaric scorn for the world in general and woman in particular, but dutiful and brave, since it often takes more courage to live than to die. Yes, sir, said Chrissy heartily, though her eyes fell, remembering how she had failed with far less cause for despair than David. They were at the gate now, and Mr. Powell left her, saying with a vigorous handshake, Best wishes for a happy summer. I shall come sometimes to see how you prosper, and remember, if you tired of it and want to change, let me know, for I take great satisfaction in putting the right people in the right places. Goodbye, and God be with you. End of chapter 9 Recording by Daisy 55